When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code ETM to choose your free offer and get $20 off. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. You know, a week or two saved can buy you time to figure out like what you need to do, you know, if things in your life aren't going to return you know, to normal immediately. You know, you can make that month's rent payment and that month's car payment, and that can buy you a time to think about it clearly, figure out, make some bigger changes. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hey, listeners, this episode is all about you. 
This is going to be a fun money talk because we're doing things a little bit differently. In this episode, we're tackling some of your listener questions all about how you establish some good savings habits and how to find the right credit card for you and everything in between with our new friend, Ian Salisbury, the money editor for the Buy Side from the Wall Street Journal. Ian's got some great insider tips about how do you build good saving money habits, including this fun one that I found super helpful. Yeah, the other thing I would add is definitely don't, you know, have the savings account and the checking account at the same bank, right? Ian's bringing all of his money knowledge just to help you tackle your money goals. We're going to be covering things like why he says you should ask your boss for a 6 to 10% raise ASAP, his choice for his favorite cashback credit card, and why you need to know the agenda of the financial company that is actually giving you money advice before you start buying into all the money rules. You'll laugh, you're going to learn a lot, and you're going to get some good money advice that you won't hear anywhere else in this episode. Let's start talking. Real quick before we jump in the conversation, I just want to talk to you about the sponsors of this podcast. You know, it's my job to bring you only the best companies and products that I believe will help you live a better life, save some time and money, and help you build and protect your cash. So to do that, I personally vet every single sponsor to make sure they are Shauna approved. These sponsors help keep this show free to you and allow us to bring on some amazing guests to help you on your money journey. So here's where you come in. I need you to do me a favor and like and support the sponsors on this show that you love so we can keep this podcast growing for years. You can find all the links in the show notes to all our sponsors, along with a special code for all of our ETM discounts and deals. Thanks so much, my friend. Into the episode we go. You are the money editor for the buy side of Wall Street Journal, and you do amazing things. You guide Americans to make smart, informed decisions about their money, whether it's retirement we're talking about, buying a home, finding the right credit card. You kind of cover it all. So we've got a lot that I want to unpack, but I'm going to do this a little bit differently. Rather than interviewing you, I'm going to use some listener questions that we've got over the last couple of months that I think would be uh, really great to just guide our discussion from our Everyone's Talking Money friends here. So the first one I want to talk about comes from Robert, and he asked this like big question. It probably could take us uh, a whole hour to talk about this one, but he wants to know, you know, how do I know how much money I should be saving each month? Are there good and not so good amounts. What do you think about that, Ian? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's, uh, that's a big question. And, um, you know, if you listen to people, people like me, you, it seems like you can never save enough, right? There's <laughs> retirement, emergency fund, college, and you add all these things up and it's like 110% of your salary. Um, you know, so you've got to start somewhere. Um, you know, so I would, I, I guess I would start with what I think is probably the you know, the most important immediate priority for people, you know, which is to, you know, establish, an, you know, like an emergency fund. Um, you know, the good news is, you know, this requires some saving, but once it's in place, you know, it's done and you can focus on other things. <laughs> um, you know, so the rule of thumb from financial advisors is that you need like three to six months of your salary saved. Um, and I think that's great if you can do it. You know, that I think for a lot of people, you know, that might feel a little overwhelming if you're starting for zero. Um, you know, I think one thing to remember is, you know, financial advisors, you know, tend to work with wealthier clients, older clients, um, you know, that have, you know, well-paying jobs and a lot of kind of fixed expenses, families and maybe school fees and that kind of thing. So, 
you know, when they come up with that rule of thumb, you have to realize, you know, sort of who their audience is um, and, and, you know, and, and not get overwhelmed by it if you can't, you know, if that seems out of reach. Um, so what I would say, you know, what you can take from that uh, is that, you, you know, you definitely should have some emergency savings, you know, try to, you know, I try to think of it as like, you know, have, have enough for, you know, a reasonable emergency ex expense, whether that's, you know, a, a, you know, a car repair or something like that. You know, the worst place scenario that you, you know, that you lose your job. Um, and then, you know, you might not have the salary saved, but, you know, try to come up with a plan for what, for, you know, how you're going to support yourself for three to six months, um, you know, if you do lose your job. So if you're younger, that might mean moving back in with your family or, you know, at least have thought through what your plan B is going to be if you have, you know, one of these kind of drastic life changes you have to cover. And, you know, try to at least, you know, start small. It's a lot better if you get an emergency to have something to have nothing. So right. don't, you know, don't let a huge amount, you know, kind of let you get a sort of a deer in that light. And, and don't you think, you know, coming out of the pandemic, obviously we've seen where emergency savings is probably pretty helpful. I mean, hopefully we don't go through another experience like that, but that was definitely, I think, an eye-opening experience for so many people that, you know, we just we just didn't know what was going to happen during that time period, whether your job was going to be safe or not safe or, I mean, there were so many X factors. Yeah, no, I went home one day thinking, oh, we'll probably be back in the office by the end of the week and it wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to live through that and not realize that, you know, things can happen on a dime. You know, obviously then the government stepped in, but that was something that, you know, it was a global crisis. There are going to be lots of times where it's a crisis in just your town or just your family, you know, when, when you know, you're not going to be able to count on, you know, the whole world kind of helping absorb the shock with you. So, so to answer Robert, really, it's, it's, you know, let, let's save something, right? Like, let's say, yeah. let's at least like march in the direction and maybe you not have be least... so fixated on like a dollar amount. Exactly. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think you could tell just, you know, from during the pandemic, you know, having even, you know, a week or two saved can buy you time to figure out like what you need to do, you know, if things in your life aren't going to return, you know, to normal immediately, you know, you can make that month's rent payment and that month's car payment. And that can buy you a time to think about it clearly, figure out, make some bigger changes. Um, you know, again, you know, sort of figure out what you need to do. And, you know, I think it, if you have, you'll have a lot of more peace of mind too. Um, yeah, that goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then the other one is, the other big one is retirement. Um, and, you know, and again, that can seem, you know, sort of overwhelming. So, you know, the, the, the easiest, there are a, a hundred rules of thumb um, and complicated equations with Monte Carlo simulations and everything else to try to figure out how much you need. Um, the easiest one, I wouldn't say it's the best one, but the easiest one to understand is there's one on Fidelity's website it says by 65, you need 10 times your salary. Um, so again, that just seems like crazy. Um, you know, I do think they say in their, you know, in their table, if you start early and you save 10 to 15% of your, you know, salary in your 401k with the market going up and everything, um, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you'll arrive at that. So that's a little bit comforting. Um, but again, not everyone starts in their 20s. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, you just need to save as much as you can. Um, you know, the good news is the 401ks, there's lots of help there. You know, that probably includes your company match, you know, which gets you, you know, several percentage points, um, you know, of the way there. Um, 
you know, 3% automatic, you're maybe automatically enrolled at 3%, you get 3 or 4% company match. It's not as, it's not as outlandish, you know, as it seems at first, um, you know, if you start doing it, um, you know, and again, you know, you have 30 years. So, you know, with all of these things that, you know, I think it's a real, um, you know, it's a real long game. Um, and the other thing I would say about that, you know, because I, again, I think that, you know, you always want to know, you hear all these rules of thumb and you always want to know, like, well, what are the, you know, so what are the agenda of the people that are saying, right. this? you know, Fidelity <laughs> obviously wants you to save as much money as possible than to save with them, um, you know, so they're going to give a high end of the figure, you know, nothing against them. But, um, you know, the other thing is these are kind of derived by, again, financial planners with wealthy clients, assuming you know, you're going to retire, you're going to spend 80% of your regular budget, you know, for 30 years in retirement, you're going to fund your health care, you're living on your own, not with the rest of your family. Um, you know, and, you know, that's sort of a, you know, a white picket fence, you know, ideal, you know, kind of, you know, scenario. And I'm not sure that, you know, real Americans retirements have ever looked, you know, have ever looked like that in history. Um, people live with their family, you know, People retired sixty-five and lived to ninety-five is something we all hope to do now. But you know, most of the, through most of history, people you know did not live that long, sadly. So you know, while saving up that much is a difficult problem to have, it's you know, in a ways, a kind of a good problem to have. But it's it's based on that kind of you know scenario, which isn't necessarily one hundred percent realistic. Mm. I like what you're saying too. Like like think about you know all these online calculators and quizzes and, and things that you take, like specifically around retirement, like think where that, that, uh, that calculator is coming from. And, you know, what, not to say that the information that is spinning out is, is incorrect at all, but, um, you know, obviously companies like Fidelity or, you know, we could put in whatever name there, they have an advantage to you saving more money. Um, yeah, you know, they want you to save more money and, and, you know, and do their, you know, they're, again, they're also talking to, you know, wealthier, you know, their ideal client, you know, is a, you know, a doctor or a dentist making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, um, you know, for whom that's a, re you know, a reasonable, a reasonable goal. So you have to think about who's speaking and who they're speaking to. So kind of thinking along those lines, we've got a question from Caitlin and she says, you know, I know I need to save money, but each month I feel like I move money from my bank account to my savings account, then I end up moving it back to my bank account. And so I'm never actually really saving anything. You know, how can I make a habit out of saving money when I really just feel stuck and frustrated? I think so many people <laughs> feel that way where they feel like they're saving, but we're really just kind of like we're shuffling money like back and forth from savings account to to checking account. So uh, do you have any tips for Caitlin? Like how can we actually build a habit out of saving money? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess my answer would be to try to and, and this is, you know, what I what I do in my own life is try to avoid habit being a habit. Um in the sense that, like, you know, again, I said with the 401k, they automatically enroll you 3%. It takes money out of your paycheck before, you know, it even gets to you. Um, you know, so that's a great tool for retirement savings. But I think also now, you know, there are apps and direct deposits and things that you can set up so that, you know, money is taken out, you know, of your paycheck, you know, sort of automatically. So it doesn't even look like it's there. And you sort of take the decision out of your own hands. You're not relying on your like your willpower at the moment. You know, you get your paycheck to move the money over, um, you know, and then you know have it sort of sitting there, so you can always think, you know, I can move it back. Um, so I, you know, just try to, 
yeah, again, take advantage of, you know, these sort of technologies that, you know, kind of make it automatic. Um, you know, and the other thing, you know, she mentioned where, you know, you have, you kind of, you move money over and then at the end of the month, you're like under budget, you know, and so you move it back. You know, we all have these goals, like I'd like to save like, you know, $200 or $300 a month, but that's like a significant, you know, chunk of your budget. So if you find, if I were, you know, when I find them, you know, trying to move it back, you know, again, I think it's better to save a little bit, you know, than nothing. So set it up automatically so you don't know what's going over there, I would say. And, and then, you know, don't, don't try to save at first as much as you'd ideally like to save. Save just a little bit that you won't notice that it's gone. So you won't be as tempted, you know, your budget will be closer at the end of the month to what you expected and you won't be as tempted, you know, to move it back. So save, you know, 10% or 25% of your ultimate goal. After a year, you'll have quite a bit of money, you know, left up. And, um, you know, you can increase it when you get a, when you get a raise or, you know, you can put a little money away from your tax return. Um, but I try to, rather than build a good habit and be virtuous, because I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I don't try think to, any of you know, us are. <laughs> I try to like, I try to, I try to, I try to fool myself and have savings take place that I don't notice. I love that. Yeah. Because I mean, we know that if money just stays in the bank account, I describe it like, you know, the, the vortex that happens, like it just like escapes, it goes somewhere and we don't know what we spent it on. So I like yeah. even what you're talking about, like automation, where you're just kind of taking that out of your out of your brain. You don't even have to make the decision. It's just sort of like happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, because money is so, so much of a mental game. Uh, I love that yeah. advice. And uh, the other, yeah, the other thing I would add is definitely don't, you know, have the savings account and the checking account at the same bank. It <laughs> 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 makes you just see the balance sitting there, you know, put it some bank you rarely check and hopefully you'll forget about it for three or four years, you know. I like that. I like that advice a lot, right? If it's if it's totally out of sight, then it will be totally out of mind. That'll be a surprise when you find it. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's right? this like pot of cash. <laughs> well, we've we've talked about savings. I want to uh, jump over a little bit to spending money. You know, there's there's a big um, there's a lot of things I should say. They're really pulling on our cash these days. Like everything is just more expensive. We've done episode on on eggs and how much you know eggs were costing a few weeks ago, and gas and groceries. Just everything is more expensive. So. You know, I'm wondering, this is just kind of a personal question, you know, are we going to get any relief from inflation this year um, or should we just be prepared to to spend a lot more money on on like all the things that we buy for the rest of the year? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I think the good news is, you know, in the, the rate of inflation seems to be slowing. You know, it peaked at almost 10 percent like last summer. Now it's 6 percent. But, you know, that's also like a backward looking figure, right? That's where prices are right now compared to where they were a year ago. Um, you know, and as we get to, um, you know, farther into this year, they'll have been higher a year ago. Um, you know, so, I, you know, it, it does seem like the rate of increases are slowing and the Federal Reserve estimates that they're going to be like 3%, you know, for 2023, 3% inflation, um, you know, which is a lot better than the 6% right now, but it's still high, right? For their, their goal is 2% and, and for a long time, it was well below that. Um, you know, and they could be wrong. They didn't foresee the current spike in inflation. Um, you know, so, you know, that's the good news and the bad news. So what do you do like with these still, you know, high prices and, you know, it's hard, right? <laughs> There's not a whole lot you can do. I, I think there are two things, you know, two, two things you can do. Um, you know, one is that, you know, we think of inflation as like a rate 
you know, but it's not, it's, it's uneven. It's, you know, some things are going to be up 10%, you know, some things are going to be not up at all. Um, so we all kind of have like our own personal inflation rate based on our spending. Um, you know, if, if you're a homeowner, if you have a mortgage with a fixed rate, you know, in some ways inflation is going to help you out because hopefully your salary is going up a little bit. Uh, but your mortgage is never going to be more than, you know, the dollar amount you pay every month. Um, you know, that's true of other fixed rate loans like student loans. So I think you can look in, you know, at what you spend your money on and try to figure out, you know, how much rising inflation is really going to affect you. And if it affects certain things you have control over, um, you know, you can you can look and cut back on those. I'll take three eggs instead of 12 eggs. <laughs> we start, right. bar- well, we start know, bartering yeah. with the uh, grocery store. <laughs> You know, well, yeah, I mean, with food, there's not, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do. But, um, you know, there are other things, you know, clothing. And the other thing I think you can do, um, you know, is, you know, don't be shy about it at work, right? Like, you know, 10% is really a lot. If I ever got a 10% raise in a year, I think I was doing really well. Uh, But, you know, when inflation is 10% or even 6%, like, you know, you 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 need that kind of raise, you know, just to stay even, you know, and you shouldn't be shy about going to your boss and saying, look, you know, you got to give me a 6% raise or you're giving me a pay cut. Do I deserve a pay cut? I mean, you know, you, you don't want to antagonize them, but, you know, don't let them pass around three or 4% raises and pat themselves on the back. You know, we're not living in that world. You know, you're getting a 6 to 10% raise, you know, just to keep up with prices. And, you know, you should put the heat on them you know, to kind of give, you know, you and your coworkers, you know, enough money to, to, to keep up with the, the rising prices and at least. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps, but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. Gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. 
Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, Honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Have that as the frame, you know, when you have your discussion with them about, you know, what the pay is. You know, these aren't, you know, these aren't hypothetical numbers that are just being waved around. Like, this is real stuff. And if they aren't giving you, you know, a good pay raise that keeps you up with the rising prices, they are giving you a pay cut and, you know, they should, the pressure should be on them. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an eight-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash CD specials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. Mm, I like that. Yeah, put a little pressure on. I love that advice. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, credit cards. And we've got a couple of listener questions about credit cards. I always get just inundated with questions about credit cards. And you wrote this great article recently where you were talking about cashback credit cards. And you say that earning rewards from your credit card is just a great way to put a little bit of what you spend back in your back in your wallet. And I completely agree. I'm a I'm a big fan of rewards credit cards. But you know, Ian, there's always like a lot of fears when it comes to credit cards. You know, are we going to get? Am I'm, I'm not going to pay them off? I'm going to get a high interest. Um, you know, how can we use a rewards credit card to our advantage without maybe having some of those downsides that come with credit cards? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, if you have a credit card that doesn't have rewards, you know, and 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 you use it a lot, I would by all means, like, 
you know, switch to a credit card with with good rewards. It is nice to get like, you know, a little something extra in your pocket. Um, but I, again, I think all of our coverage, um, and I think there, you know, there's almost like a sub industry of credit card people, you know, writing about credit cards. And again, I think you have to look at, you know, where they're coming from and, and sort of what the audience is. Um, there are people who love to delve into the credit card terms and get the best deal. And like, even, you know, I talked to the credit card writers and man, they're into it. Like they want to <laughs> like, you know, score this free flight and that lounge access. And like, it's like a hobby to them. You know, if that's you, then, then great. But, you know, if you're someone who, you know, conversely maybe doesn't have a credit card or has fears about credit cards or is trouble, you know, making the monthly payments and ends up carrying a balance, um, you know, I would really say like, just, you know, the, the rewards are never going to be like worth the fees if you make a late payment or you end up carrying a balance, you know, even for a little bit. So don't like, you know, don't get sucked in by all the marketing, you know, just, you know, steer clear, you know, and I even looked it up because I, I knew I'd seen this stat somewhere um, this morning years ago, you know, and academics have studied this. And, you know, regardless of whether you pay credit card fees, uh, there was a study that was like, if you just pay with a credit card rather than cash, um, you know, people pay, uh, end up spending like 12 to 18 percent more every month um, just because it's so much easier to spend on a credit card than it is. It's harder to keep track of how much money is in your wallet. Um, and, and this is across the board. This is a McDonald's did a study. McDonald's checks at McDonald's on a, that where people pay on credit card are quite a bit higher than cash checks. And even even Easy Pass, right, like the government discovered when they instituted Easy Pass, they had a much easier time raising tolls than when people paid in cash because you like zip through and you don't even know it. Um, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, right. Right, like you know, when's the last, so, you know, um, you know, so, you know, the credit cards game is a fun game to play and definitely, you know, we have our thoughts about credit cards, but I guess I wanted, it was like a long preface because I saw the word fears in your question. Like, and if you have fears or if you're someone that struggles with it, like don't be afraid to, you know, pay in cash or have a debit card because, you know, chances are uh, between the fees and just your own spending habits, you're not going to come out, you're not going to come out ahead by earning 1% or 2% or even 3%, you know, back on your, on your spending. So uh, Sandra wrote in a question and uh, she said that she really wants to start using rewards credit card uh, because I talk about them all the time. Uh, but there are so many of them out there. She's wondering, how do I choose a card for me? And how do I know it's a card with a good reward. What do you think, Ian? Like, what actually? Yeah, yeah, no, no. So, having said all that, like, you know, I like, you know, credit cards are fun and the rewards are, it's a fun game. Um, you know, so, you know, we, um, uh, so we approach this and the way we look at it is, you know, you want rewards. We're going to, we sort of assume our readers, you know, pay their bills on time and, and want rewards, but like, aren't these people that are going to obsess over it? You know, I, I, the credit card writers I work with, you know, tend to be people who are into it. They have spreadsheets about what credit card is the best, you know, best rewards that month and, you know, all kinds of, uh, so we assume that people, you know, are going to want rewards, but are not going to like actively do it as a hobby. So I like these, you know, cards that have just great, simple, like reward structures where you can kind of earn, you know, a good reward. So the going rate for cashback right now, the rate to beat is like 2% cashback. Um, the card we picked, Wells Fargo Active Cash, I think gives 2% back sort of across your spending on everything you spend. It's not exactly everything you spend. You can't, there are some exclusions, like you can't buy casino chips 
earned two percent back. <laughs> Turn them in and keep the rewards. Darn. Um, I know. It's like I was read the fine print. I was like, why does that exist? And I was like, oh, some clever people out there. Um, but Wells Fargo after cash, two percent is the rate to beat. Um, I actually have a different card though. I have the Capital One Saver card, Saver One card. That's three percent on groceries because. I have two kids and all my spending is at the grocery store. So I decided I would get the 3% back on groceries. Um, uh, you can do, but you can do a little bit better than that. Um, people tell me, you know, if you get a travel cards with miles, if you cash them in for travel, you can get a little bit better than the cash rewards cards. But that requires a certain amount of know-how work. And obviously you have to be willing, you know, to sort of spend it on travel. Um, so you can do a little bit better with those cards, but I, I like a good, simple cashback card. I like your advice too about like finding a card that aligns with how you spend your money. So like you were saying that, you know, groceries where most of your money goes, like finding a card that offers those sorts of rewards or cashback. So really thinking about yeah. your your lifestyle and looking at where you spend your money and thinking about like, how could I actually maximize that? Yeah, no. And if you're willing to hold a bunch of different cards and use them for different purposes, you can actually do better than that too. There's another one I didn't mention, the Amazon card, you know, offers like 5% back on Amazon purchase. And I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, if you're someone who buys stuff on Amazon all the time to get that card, you log into Amazon with it. And then like that, you just get 5% back, you know, and all the, the target one is a little different. It offers a discount, but it's essentially similar to 5% cash. Um, you know, back on those. So yeah, I think you should look at your, you know, look at your spending and you can find, you know, a credit card for you. Um, there are a bunch that have rotating categories, you know, where it's uh 3% back one month on this. And I think that would be very difficult to take, keep track of. <laughs> I find those a little bit gimmicky, um, but groceries, online spending, gas, um, you know, if you have something like that, I, I think that's great. Well, it's, it's obvious that you love talking and writing about money. You've spent your whole career doing this. Uh, you know, I'm wondering what are some of the biggest like money lessons or tips that you've learned over these years that you actually use in your own finances? So, yeah, so I cut my teeth um, writing about, you know, markets, which is sort of personal finance adjacent, right? Um, and um, there is this concept, um, which is that you can't beat the market. Um, which is, you know, that you can't, it's very hard to kind of, um, you know, kind of pick a winning stock to figure out, oh, this stock is going to do better than every other stock and I'm going to bet it. So I'm going to, you know, the kind of picking Apple in 1981 and, um, uh, and it works really well and works very well in hindsight, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. It works really well in hindsight. Um, and you see all these people who did it, you know, and they're rich and you think I can do that too. But again, you, you're only seeing the people who were right. There are a thousand people who made a different decision, you know, who, you know, didn't get rich because of it. So it's amazing how much academic people won Nobel prizes trying to, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how, how this works and why it seems so much easier to do than it really is. Um, but I think that kind of applies to a lot of, uh, you know, personal finance kind of issues broadly. Um, in, in a way, it's similar to ties into what we were just talking about with credit cards. You know, it, with stocks, it means pick an index fund, a low cost fund that just buys one of every one of every stock on the stock market, you know, and forget about it. And I would say take a similar approach to credit cards, get a card with a good cash back rate, you know, not one that it rotates that you're going to pay attention to all the time. 
you know, and just forget about it. Uh, same with savings, automate your savings, then just go on and live the rest of your life. Um, don't like try to think that you're going to invest, you know, there's a shortcut and, you know, you're going to do the right thing and come out way ahead. Um, do a pretty good thing and then just don't stress about it. Go, you know, again, live the rest of your life. Don't let money obsess you, um, you know, and, 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 you know, you give up the chance of, you know, buying a winning lottery ticket, but, you know, let's face it, you're, you weren't going to do it anyways. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so again, I would say make smart decisions, but don't try to beat the market. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, I think we can we can really complicate money. There's a lot of acronyms and jargon and a lot of things that makes people, you know, feel very fearful of money, but you know, I love conversations like this because it just comes back to the the foundations and and the the basics that are really actually the most important things and to to do them in a way that that removes some of that that fear and stress and just makes it a lot easier for you. Um, you know, kind of going back to to how we we started this conversation thinking about saving and spending money. We have a question from a listener, uh, Genevieve, who um, she wrote in saying how much she hated budgeting, which I know so many people listening like just automatically turn off when they hear that money. And you know, she feels like she was never able to really do it well, and I was kind of felt like a failure. So she asked, you know, I'm trying to do my best every month, but it always seems that I go over budget. I just can't figure it out. What am I doing wrong? And is anyone actually good at budgeting? Which I think is a fair question. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering, you know, do you have any tips or suggestions? Like how can we help Genevieve with this? Yeah, no, I get, I, uh, I, 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 I see where she's coming from. And, you know, I would go back to a little bit what I said, like, um, so I used to, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And again, I think it, it's important to look at, you know, who's talking and who the audience is. So I used to work for, for Money Magazine, which for a long time was the biggest, you know, the big personal finance monthly magazine timing. And, um, and I had this boss and he, he said, you know what, Ian, like, you, you don't realize Money Magazine, you, you, you think of it, it's what we're really doing is like men's health or runner's world. And it was like, so as you think personal finance, you know, magazine would be for people who are in debt, you know, people who really need help, you know, getting their finances straight. He said, that's not what we do at all. You know, he said, people who read us, you know, are people who are already doing okay. They have it, you know, kind of figured out. They make a lot of money and they enjoy it. They get a magazine about it because they like reading, you know, about, they, they like reading about, you know, all the things they're doing right. And so what we really do is not give advice. We kind of encourage them and we give them like a pat on the back, you know, and, and there, there are people out there that want that. Maybe the equivalent today would be the fire crowd. I don't know if your listeners yes. are familiar with that, but they're like super savers. Um, so, you know, I think there's all this, you know, stuff out there, all this sort of drumbeat of you need to stay on budget. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, you know, that exists for a crowd of people that like, like it and want a kind of money personal trainer that will kind of be like bench press more. You can do it just a little bit faster, just a little bit more. Um, and like, that's great. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but if that's not you, you shouldn't like feel discouraged um, when you read that kind of thing. You should, you should realize the spirit, you know, kind of in which it's, you know, in which it's given and, and, you know, and not feel like you're failing if you're not bench pressing a little bit more every month, because most people aren't. Um, so, you know, 
that would be my kind of like, you know, bigger picture, you know, thing about how to stay on budget. And, and, and you know, my smaller, more, you know, the sort of tactics of it, you know, again, are said, I just try to automate everything. Um, and, you know, then, you know, you know, and then try to stay on budget from there. And I'm never, you know, I'm never on budget either, right? <laughs> I always get to the end of the month and I've spent a little bit more than I would like. And I just, but I try to automate it and have enough of these sort of things that I don't even notice where I'm, so that if I screw up, I'm screwing up just in a little bit where, you know, in the larger sense, I'm still coming out ahead. I try to like, you know, keep the box in which I can screw up just small enough so that I'm not like actually underwater when I fail, when I just fail a little bit every month. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I love that. I love that honesty because I think that's, that's how we all are. We all are just trying to like make this stuff work and, you know, we're all out there overspending. I mean, that's just human nature. It's life, right? We, we, we've got to live it. So I, I love that. Um, you know, kind of looking forward to the year as, as we're closing out our conversation here, what do you think are going to be, you know, some of the big trends? What are some of the things we need to kind of like keep our eye on as we go out throughout this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the one I, you know, the big question I think is inflation, which we already talked about. Um, you know, it's coming down, but, you know, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates to try to get it, you know, under control. So the last time we were in this, you know, sort of situation in the very early, you know, 1980s, the Federal Reserve succeeded in getting inflation under control, but it caused a recession, a pretty, a pretty sharp one that fortunately didn't last that long. But, you know, it's a really open question as to whether, you know, what the Fed is going to do is going to tip us into, into a recession in, in the coming months. And the, the WSJ newsroom, you know, like polls academic economists I, you know, like every month and the rate history is 60% of economists expect a recession in the next 12 months. So, you know, it's so good so far, but I think that, you know, looking out at this year, you know, I would, you know, I would prepare myself, uh, you know, for the possibility that there's going to be a recession, um, you know, and at least think through if there is a recession, you know, what's going to happen to me? Am I working at a company that's like maybe not doing great? Um, already, and I need to worry about losing my job, or am I going to be taking on, you know, big new expenses? Um, you know, I told you to go confront your boss and demand a bigger raise, so I stand by that. But you know, you know, you can you can suss out at work what your own, uh, you know, you know what your own company's financial situation is. But I would kind of game out in my head this year if there is a recession, because there's a, at least people who are smarter than I am think it's a better than fifty percent shot. You know, what am I going to do? What's going to happen to me? You know, I wouldn't plan on selling a bunch of stock later this year to fund a big purchase, um, you know, because the stock market, you know, you know, could, 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 you know, go down significantly. Just think through what might happen. There were so many good money tips in this episode. Thank you for all of those great questions. It's clear that Ian not only loves to write and talk about money, but he also knows his stuff. I really loved his advice on asking for a pay raise right now and the logic that otherwise your employers are actually giving you a pay cut. You know, we've had so many guests on this show talk about knowing your worth. And as Ian said, now is the time to cash in on that. If you want to read all of Ian's articles, you can head to the buy side from WSJ or you can go to WSJ.com slash buy side. As always, hit us up with more listener questions, and we'll try to weave them in into future episodes. 
If you enjoyed this one, share it with a few friends right now. Tell them why they should be listening to this show. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new one. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.